Welcome to the Jolf Man podcast. Thank you for taking the time to tune in and listen. I do hope that listening brings you value. I'm Neil Plimmer and I'm the Jolf Man, a name that I have picked up from children and teachers in primary schools. It has stuck and seems to fit reasonably well. I'm the host of this podcast and will regularly share thoughts, ramblings and ideas about golf, sport, play, teaching, coaching, learning and anything else that might pop up into my mind. What a, with a particular focus on children's and families' first experience of golf and sport. Alongside these rambles, I'll be having chats with others to share their thoughts, get different views and perspectives and explore topics in further detail. Joel's mission is to provide positive first experiences in schools and at golf clubs for children and their families so they can play golf independently, enjoy playing together and learn as they play. We aim to give every child in every primary school in England the opportunity to play golf. I do hope that you enjoy the podcast and find value. Please get in touch with your thoughts, comments, feedback and ideas. I'd love to hear from you. Paul Brackley from Albion and the Community. How are you today? I'm good, thank you, Neil. How are you? I'm well and welcome to the Jolfman podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. If ever there was a person that I was going to invite on who when that I like to have a little chat with, it might be you. I was I've been desperately waiting for my invitation, so I'm really pleased to be here. <laughs> I was thinking that as I was loading this up, I thought this is a bit later than it probably should have been, because of all the <laughs> the things we've done and the chats we have, um, even setting up an organization where we were just happy to chat between ourselves and other people might join us. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I've been, been sat here waiting patiently for my invitation. So You're in, you're in. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So for people that don't know you, um, who are you? What do you do? What's your sort of special interests? Uh, so uh, Paul Brackley, as, as you've already said, uh, I'm Disability Manager at Albion Community. Uh, I've been there for what, nearly 11 years now, but uh, long-standing history and interest in, in sport uh, through playing, coaching, volunteering, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and yeah, predominantly works within the disability sports sector um, in various kind of guises, um, as I say, within there. Oh. You still there? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you were, you were just finished. You'd finished. That was your interest. <laughs> yeah. That was an amazing interest. It was, it was succinct. <laughs> it was succinct. Um, and like you said, a special interest in sports, playing, coaching and volunteering and we spoke a lot about coaching um, over the years and we always have sort of a bit of a ramble and a bit of a rant. Um, how, how do you see coaching looks different within the sort of sector that you work in with disability? Because I know, I know, I mean, disability is obviously a wide remit of people that you will see. So what does coaching look like within that remit? Um, I, I, do you know, what? I, it is a wide remit. Um, but as I always say to anybody, it looks the same. Um, it's still coaching. It's still coaching sport and things like that. Um, but I think the, the biggest difference that comes in is the, the little nuances uh, and developing that specialism around things. So um, in principle, it, it's, you know, so I'm, football is kind of my background and, and football coaching and stuff. I would coach football in the same way to somebody with a disability as, as without. But what I do in, in both scenarios is to, to look at the, all the additional factors that might 
contribute to, to how they're going to in, enjoy and embrace that experience. So for a player without a disability, I'd potentially be assessing their ability level, their um, their ability to process information, to understand it. Um, I'd be looking at how their, their group dynamics sits, et cetera, et cetera. But I'd be doing exactly the same for somebody with a disability. So um, although I've got you know more in-depth knowledge around various types of disabilities and, and some of the adaptions, that's just because that's my specialist specialism. I could still go in to any environment with players who have got a disability and players who haven't and still be able to deliver in the same way, I, I believe anyway, fundamentally. But... So, so let me ask you a question then maybe for the coaches that are out there listening. Do you think you're, I know obviously you've been entrenched within sort of the disability sector for a long time, but do you think but, um, that's then improved your coaching when you go back into a more mainstream sector? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, if I look back at um, my own kind of coaching journey history, um, it's definitely enhanced it because I think you learn to adapt a lot quicker and, and learn to recognise um, people's ability levels and, and things like that quicker. Um, but as well, you know, I was very fortunate to do a, an excellent course at university that was based in community sports coaching. And, and the whole premise behind it was to go and get a huge variety of, of rich um, coaching experiences so that you could be adaptable in every scenario. So, you know, I, I've coached ultimate frisbee, I've coached hockey, basketball, football, uh, gymnastics, athletic, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And none of those necessarily to any great standard, but I've been in those scenarios and I've, I've been able to coach those. And then I've also done more elite end stuff right through to pure participation, young kids, old kids, you know, the, the full works in it. And it's that rich variety of experiences that I think has made me a better coach and, and have a better understanding of, of all of that. But certainly, you know, I first coached volunteered when I was 15 uh, in, a, in a specialist sports centre for people with disability. And, and that very early experience was, was definitely one that shaped um, a lot of what I do in my career now, but also how I deliver and coach and, and just my broader understanding around it. I think it's. I think what you just hit on there—that huge variety of rich experiences—that's um, going to come back and again and again. And I will quote you on this, but I think that would be the case for probably coaches that are listening um, to gain that experience. Because I think for me personally, get going into schools where they do children do have those challenges in different ways and present different sort of problems. Um, and different things that we've got to try and you know deliver golf has helped me and it's sort of shaped sort of I think who I am and what I do but I'd also put that towards parents and offering children a huge variety of rich experiences as well isn't it yeah yeah very much so very much so we had uh, we did a case study recently on on an individual and something his dad um, said really stuck with me um, and, and part of the reason I think it stuck with me is because in some senses it's a little bit unusual in, in disability sport but he said we know that um, if we keep making the effort then we'll get a lot back from the coaches which is always really important but he also, you know, his son's got Down syndrome, he, he said himself, actually we've always pushed and, and encouraged him to go and try lots and lots of different things so that he can find the one that sits best with him that you know, he, he enjoys the most and things like that. So, you know, he's done multiple sports before he's got to a point of going, no, football's the one for me. Um, so, actually, you know, for for any kid uh, or adult as well, and, and particularly coaches and stuff, that 
variety of experience i think is is so fundamental to you know our growth um and you know we've spoken many times in the past about lots of these different but the transferable skill sets from one sport to another the um you know the the movements that you might need and and how that could enhance you from one sport to the next and the next and the next you know those things you, you don't get if you specialize just within a, a single sport environment i think it's really good to have that various experience and, and like i say the same goes for coaches and, and for parents and uh, everyone connected around the individual and i think even if we were to share with a parent you know give your child the opportunity the access and opportunity to try lots and lots of different things and then look just look for the spark i was i was pondering over something last week around you know looking for that spark of obsession and then when yeah. you see that spark of obsession then do that yeah. While, while potentially still main, maintaining the lots and lots of different things. And I do wonder if it's just as easy as that. Yeah. yeah um, it could be. Could be. And, and again, we've spoken a lot, haven't we, that, that sometimes these, uh, these things get overcomplicated. Um, and that sport and, and coaching uh, in itself can be quite simple. Uh, and, and there's no shame in that. There's no, you know, there's no fault in that. So I suppose coming back to that, you know, overcomplicating things and keeping things simple um you know i would i would have thought that the sessions that you run and i know you don't always run them personally but the sessions that you run for you know disabled children with disabilities or non-disabilities may well look sound and feel very very similar yeah yeah completely completely um but again you know i think the important bit to kind of recognize in there is that um, in, in the planning process, um, you know, the, again, everyone should be doing for every coaching session and things like that. There is the, the understanding, the additional considerations, the different factors. But on the face of it, and you know, this is something that we think is, is really important um, and something I firmly believe in, is that you know, the sessions should look and feel the same, um, whether you've got a disability or not, because you know, it's we're coaching the same sport it's not suddenly changed in between yeah. you know one one group of participants arriving and the next one you know um coming along it that there is it's still football it's still the same sport it's still the same principles and, and things like that so it should have the same feels uh and looks and, and for the participants themselves they should be um know that they're playing football and enjoying it you know because they are and things like that so yeah there, there is definitely um some some added bits that go into the planning side of it but overall yeah of course it should feel the same but if you're a coach and maybe this again this is this is one of those points that comes up during these fantastic chats is if you're a coach then within that planning and preparation you've just got to plan and prepare to involve and include everybody yeah yeah totally so but as i say coming back to probably my very first point you know really should be doing that regardless yeah because you know with you know again looking at it from a team sport kind of perspective within football and things like that if we've got a session with 15 players in well they're, they're not all going to be at the same ability level they're not all going to have the same fitness levels and things like that. so i can't design one session that that fits all so does it really the same principles apply i'm going to be looking at that to make sure that i'm including as many people as i possibly can um and making sure that i'm, I'm getting the best out of everybody within it so, like I say, for, for me, principally, that's the same uh, whether you're coaching a player with a disability or one, one without. Um, to, to flip this on its head and, and ask you a question, um, I know we spoke at a time when you first went into Woodlands Mead 
um, and delivered those kind of jolf experiences, what was the ultimate aim of delivering those experiences? Uh, I think it's it's the same aim that we ha- that we have anyway. You know, it's a delivering an experience that's specific and enjoyable to each child every single time, um, and that was a tremendous challenge because. You know, if you're going to a mainstream mainstream school, you know, the children are similarly, this is a very, very broad generalisation, but similarly able and understanding of the activity that we're providing. Whereas in that setting, there was a real cross mix of understanding and ability. So we we had to work really, really hard to be able to deliver that enjoyable experience to each child every single time. Um, but I think once we got our head, head around the fact, and again, you come back to that that planning, you know, it was meticulously planned relative to the purpose. Yeah. Um, so, so it just became normal. And, and, and again, I think for me, having been entrenched in a sport and then probably niching down into children within that sport and then trying to or not trying to having had such broad and you know rich experiences and variety of so many different children in so many different places um i suppose that then that gives us our ability to adapt and change the offer relative to the child i mean we had no no trickier challenge than us taking golf into each and every classroom yeah i mean that that was it wasn't me doing it for the first time. It was Roy blessing. Um, you know, here's your, here's your kit, Roy. You go in Monday morning. Um, you're going to go and visit every single class in every, in every single classroom. It's like, well, what am I going to do? I'm like, I'm not really too sure. You've got a bit of kit. You've got a few games. See how you get on. So it's like, see how you get on. We review it. We change it. We adapt it. We came up with lots and lots of different ways of doing it. And, and that's coaching, isn't it? That's teaching. That's coaching. That's... Um, yeah, offering offering the activity so that it's right for the person in front of you, which again I think links back. I think in our sport we've had to spend a lot of time thinking and considering what it looks back in its stripped back version. And yeah. I spoke about this with somebody yesterday, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Pete Thomas, about hockey. Mm-hmm. You know, football you can you can just put the jumpers down for goalposts, throw a ball, and everyone can play football, can't they? Generally. Yep. Um, yep. So with it, it has that simplicity of the delivery. Whereas in golf, there are quite a, num- a number of other things to consider. We feel, yeah, yeah, I think that's fair, and that makes it quite a challenge. And obviously, I think as we've discussed on numerous occasions, the beast that football is, isn't it? That it's all encompassing in 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 our world of you know the UK, the Premier League, Brighton. Everybody wants to play football, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it has that purpose as, as the primary sport for the for the country. Mm, it? it really does. So, um, we've, again, we've as ever, we've probably gone a slightly off tangent, but it's brilliant. So, if we're saying that sessions will look similar, but there's nuances within the delivery and the coach. So, if you were to give advice to maybe parents and and parents in general, you know, not specific to parents with children with disabilities, because if we push that to one side for one second, what what would they maybe need to look for within a session or an experience or a coach that they would know it's going to be enjoyable, engaging, inclusive, appropriate, involve and include everybody? Um, I think that's a really, really interesting and quite a tricky question, actually, in lots of ways. Sorry, curveball. Um, no, no, that's OK. Because um, I think, you know, again, 
coming from a, a football kind of perspective, um, if you if you look at the potential first experiences, I think last count there was something like 180 grassroots football clubs um, in Sussex, um, and and therefore what five, six, seven hundred uh, teams at junior level, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's quite a beast in that respect. So where would you start? And and for a lot of people, obviously they'll start on a, on you know their nearest team, their nearest club, and things like that. But even applying that across to other sports, and again, you know, knowing about your experiences within cricket and things like that, you know, there's an awful lot of um, potential first experiences out there. So where, where would I direct parents to? What, what would I be asking them to look for? I it, it's a that's what I mean in terms of it's a very tricky question. I think primarily we we would want children to enjoy themselves, wouldn't we? Um, and to have a, a kind of positive first experience. Now, um, due diligence, talking to other parents, you know, a bit of research and things like that is, is going to make a difference. I, one of the things that, um, and, and I, I would say this knowing the who I work for and things like that, but I think where you can look for experiences with established providers, with established um, coaches, that type of thing. And, you know, again, someone like yourself within, within Jolf, the types of experiences you're providing and things like that, if I was seeking that out for, for my children, then I'd be, you know, Googling who, who would do junior golf, if you see what I mean, that type of thing. Yeah. So I think that, that opens up much more potential for a positive first experience by engaging with people that um, have been doing it an awful long time. And with the greatest respect to, to a lot of kind of grassroots coaches and particularly within football and things like that, they are often volunteers. Yep. Um, they are often, you know, qualified to the, the minimum kind of standards that, that are required in there and things like that. Um, as opposed to, like I say, kind of my organisation or yours, where you're talking highly, highly qualified coaches, very experienced, um, you know, and, and a very different type of environment. So, I say it's a tricky one. I wouldn't. Um, I think for for every kid or uh, that would attend either your program or, or one that I might be running or things like that, you know, there's probably going to be 10, 15 that are having experience elsewhere, um, which isn't a bad thing. And and hopefully they'll be getting a good positive experience in there. Um, and I do think again, looking at looking at someone like the FA, they are more and more aware um, of the need for those positive first experiences, um, and they're trying as much as they can to reach out and engage with grassroots clubs, coaches, things like that, to, to give them the skill set and the tools to be able to provide it. But there's a long way to go, I think, in, in that respect still. I really do. I really um, think there is. And I, and I think for, for me, you know, there's maybe some sort of developing self-awareness amongst coaches and parents around maybe what that quality first experience looks like. You know, coaches or teams or volunteers that ask people to get involved that speak to you you know i've been to numerous sports with mine where i've never really been spoken to um and i know there's not always time but again i think you know when coaches and organizations understand that the parent and the family play a vital role then that time needs to be made and i also think that a bit like the conversation i had this morning with um with wayne who's going to be on one of the podcasts it's constantly talking to your own child as well, asking them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I asked that question, not necessarily knowing the answer. It's just, again, it's just a question that comes up in my mind is that if we want to deliver a positive first experience, 
what's that going to look like through the eyes of say the coach or the parent or the family member and then obviously most importantly probably is the the child yeah and i think that's maybe yeah. just there's maybe no right answer but it's maybe a question that should always be on our mind yeah definitely definitely i mean we, we um we work on a number of kind of principles about you know how do we ensure consistency and quality across all of our sessions um and, you know we developed some frameworks to go around that type of thing as well um which are really helpful i think for coaches and, and certainly then from a, a kind of parent's perspective to know that they're going to get a consistency of experience um but it is really challenging in that you could be six weeks into a program eight weeks into a program and have a new participant arrive um and then suddenly you've got to change things and, and bits and pieces like that i think that you know there's some really key kind of simple principles um that that can be applied things like um taking the time to get to know an individual um and that includes their family and things like that as well and that engagement um that can be as powerful as as you know anything that you do uh coaching wise um just that first experience of, of people feeling you know engaged and wanted almost you know to be part yeah. of it um and and then actually the rest of it kind of tends to flow yeah. from there yes i agree um so, you know, there are really simple things like that, that that can be done for sure. And I suppose, like you say, that first connection you have. And I think that's why I'm, that's why I'm really sort of driven, at the, not at the moment, driven with our purpose at the minute about those first, not only the first experience, but also the first experiences. Because I'm, I, I firmly believe that, you know, the first experience could be all right. The second one they get in and then they sort of people are in and they becomes part of a habit and they just sort of bumble along rather than, like we said earlier on, providing a, a variety of rich, positive experiences and then having lots of them and then finding the spark. You know, I, I suppose, you know, selfishly, I want children to get the spark when they come and play golf with us because I know the power of golf, as I'm sure, you know, power of football, the power of hockey, the power of ultimate frisbee, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, that might be a question that we might have to come back to on that. Yeah, yeah. I I think as well, um, just considering that, that overall kind of first experience with somebody, what are the types of things they want to take away from it? Um, and I think what you know, we've learned so many lessons over the last nine, ten months, or however long this uh, thing has been going on for. Uh, and one of the big, real lessons that we learned was when we returned sessions uh, in August, September, October kind of time, was actually seeing the impact around the social elements of it. Yeah. So you know, I come from a participation background rather than a, an elite performance kind of background, but actually seeing the the soft outcomes if you like, the, the real benefits of somebody being engaged in, in an activity in that way. Uh, and again, you know, coming from a team sport, you know, there's there's probably higher high levels of interaction socially and, and things like that. Um, but seeing the physical benefits of people back training uh, and being physically active, seeing the social benefits of those of that connection between individuals and things like that. Um, and I think it's led us now to, to a place certainly where I'm asking our coaches and, our, and my team and things to consider, you know, how do we make sure that um, within our delivery itself, um, whatever, you know, for, like I say, for us, that's football, whatever, but within our delivery, are we making sure that there's proper consideration around all of the potential soft outcomes? 
So how can we reduce somebody's isolation? You know, making sure that they're part of a, a group dynamic or involved and, you know, that type of thing. How can we um, promote a sense of them feeling more confident? How can we build their skill? You know, those types of things, which I think traditionally we would, you know, look at and deliver in a way that we would just, you know, not hope that they would happen, but we would plan our activity and then think that that would be a bright byproduct of yep. them. And actually kind of changing that tack and going, well, how do we, you know, how do we make sure that they're uh, as big a part of our planning process um, as the actual skill that we're delivering or the technique or you know, whatever that might be? Yeah, I think that's the, the, the soft skills and the intangibles maybe first and then the, the technical, the sport, the outcome second, um, which again is probably more participant centred then, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But, uh, you know, again, that, you know, from a first experience kind of perspective, does that help build all of that? If you've had an experience where you turned up, and I know you do this, um, you, you know, you take a family out on a golf course for the first time um, and you do kind of just give them a bag of clubs and, and whatever and say, go and play. But it's more than that. It's, it's your interactions with them. It's how you build up their confidence in that environment is how that you know you give them those soft skills around it to be able to go and have that enjoyable experience that's going to bring them back again yes yes which which because they're not going to they're not going to pick up the club and go and shoot five under par right no. um, so it's not performance first it's it's enjoyment it's engagement it's yeah yeah that's nice enjoyment and engagement first and the things that come from that and then performance will follow at some point in the future when they've done it a bit more often that's really, really yeah. nice. And I think that's a really good message, you know, for us. Again, we could speak on forever. It's a really good message for us maybe to sort of pause and stop on that if coaches are listening and if parents are listening or if family members are listening, if, you know, we deliver or we're going and having that first experience with children, that we look at the, the enjoyment and the engagement and the inclusion first and then everything else will follow in good, in yeah. good time. Agree Lovely. Oh, that's 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 a lovely message to finish on. Um, Paul, you, you've got lots to give. So if people wanted to um, find you or get in contact with you, how would they do that? Uh, I'm on Twitter, P Brackers 6. Um, no, P Brackers. Sorry, I always get that wrong. Um, and, and yeah, happy. And we have still got our Sussex Coaches Network. We have. Uh, pages up on uh, Facebook and things like that so that's a great way to connect with both of us I would say. Sussex Coaches Network is something we need to reconvene on at some point we do do. thanks Paul for your time amazing as ever lovely to chat thanks for having me on welcome thank you take care